the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. You might wonder when did Paul see Christ? Well, the first time he saw him, and there may have been other occasions, but the first time he saw him was on the road to Damascus. When the Lord appeared to him, it says, in a blinding light. Folks, that's the Shekinah glory. Jesus did appear to Paul. His unveiled Shekinah glory. Nobody else knew what was going on, but Paul knew. That's why he spoke to him. Who are you? Paul did see the risen Christ. And it may very well be that Paul also, as he was taught, he tells us in Galatians, he went into Arabia for three years. It may very well have been that the Lord appeared to him there. There may have been other times as well. He does say in Acts chapter 18, the Lord stood by me and told me this. But I think what he's referring to primarily is that at his conversion on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him. Apostles. We will be learning more about them on today's verse by verse program. You might be wondering why Pastor Steve is spending so much time teaching us about false apostles. After all, wasn't that just a problem for the early church? We'll find the answer to that question on today's program. Also, as we continue learning about unity and spiritual growth, we're going to see that one aspect of unity, back in Paul's day, was truly revolutionary. That is, that Jews and Gentiles were part of the same body of Christ. This was something that was a radical departure to Jewish teaching up until that time. I think you're going to find today's verse-by-verse program to be very interesting. So buckle your seatbelt and get ready. Here is Pastor Steve. There are no more apostles today, and I want you to understand that because one of the qualifications for being an apostle of Christ is that an apostle had to have seen visually the Lord, the risen Christ. If he was going to be a witness of Christ's resurrection, then he had to have personally seen the risen Christ. And I'm not talking about a dream. I'm not talking about just a vision. He had to literally have seen him after he rose from the dead. Now, let me just give you some evidence of this in scripture, backing up of this statement. In Acts chapter 1, if you look there, starting at verse 21 and then 22, now the apostles had a problem. Judas obviously disqualified himself. This is a man who wasn't even saved. He betrayed Christ. He then took his own life. So now you're left with 11. They want another one. And I take it that they want another one because Jesus spoke about the 12 apostles in the millennial kingdom ruling over the 12 tribes of Israel. So here's what we read. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Therefore... 
It's necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Now notice this. Of the men who accompanied us, there were others, more than the twelve, who were with them from the very time that the Lord went in and out among us. Beginning with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they said that the qualification is that we have to choose from among us one of the men who has been with us from the very beginning of John's baptism all the way to when Jesus ascended. So it had to be an eyewitness. And they did choose this man by the name of Matthias. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul mentions that he's a true apostle because, he says, I've seen the Lord. 1 Corinthians 9.1, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Paul said one of the proofs that I'm an apostle is I've seen the Lord. And I'll explain that a little later, where Paul saw the Lord, because he was obviously wasn't there at the beginning of Christ's ministry. He wasn't a believer. 1 Corinthians 15.8. At the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul speaks about the appearances of Christ to the apostles and eventually to 500. He speaks about an appearance to James, about an appearance to Peter. And then he says in verse 8, he said, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. He's saying, I wasn't one of the 12. I was untimely born. I came later, but Jesus appeared to me also. Now you might wonder, when did Paul see Christ? Well, the first time he saw him, and there may have been other occasions, but the first time he saw him was on the road to Damascus. When the Lord appeared to him, it says, in a blinding light. Folks, that's the Shekinah glory. Jesus did appear to Paul. His unveiled Shekinah glory. Nobody else knew what was going on, but Paul knew. That's why he spoke to him. Who are you? Paul did see the risen Christ. And it may very well be that Paul also, as he was taught, he tells us in Galatians, he went into Arabia for three years. It may very well have been that the Lord appeared to him there. There may have been other times as well. He does say in Acts chapter 18, the Lord stood by me and told me this. But I think what he's referring to primarily is that at his conversion on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him. So the scriptures teach that there can be no more apostles today, apostles with a big A, the apostles of Christ, since there is no one today who has seen the risen, glorified Christ. I know there are bogus books and movies that speak about people seeing Christ. Not true. Peter said, whom having not seen, you love. Nobody's seen Christ today. That was one of the marks of an apostle. But understand that just because no one today can be a true apostle, that doesn't mean there aren't false apostles. And there are false apostles. Men who claim to be true apostles, but they are not. And I want you to understand this so that you are not naive and duped by these phony apostles. I remind you, for example, that in the days of the early church, there were men who claimed to be apostles, but they were false apostles. That's the background of 2 Corinthians. Paul has to defend his own apostleship because there were phony Jewish men, phony Jewish apostles who said they're the real deal and Paul is a phony. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 13, for such men are false apostles, 
deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Did you get that? They disguise themselves. No wonder, he says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. A little bit later, in 2 Corinthians, Paul strikes another blow at these false apostles. This is fascinating, by saying that one of the marks of a true apostle is that certain signs and wonders and miracles accompanied their ministry that authenticated them as true apostles. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. I remember, by the way, showing this to a seminary professor, and he was quite surprised, like he had never seen this in the Bible, but it's there, 2 Corinthians 12, 12. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. It's Paul saying, I'm a true apostle. These men are not. In the book of Hebrews, we read in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the writer says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How are we going to escape judgment if we neglect this message of salvation? And then he says, after it was at first spoken through the Lord, the Lord first spoke, it was confirmed to us, and now he's talking about apostles, and use the word here, that's who he's referring to, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Now watch this. God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Apostles were able to do miracles. Listen, if everybody could do a miracle, then it wouldn't be a sign of an apostle. What would distinguish them? It's these signs and wonders. So false apostles existed in the early church, and I want you to know they actually exist today. There are false apostles today. They certainly have existed and continue to exist in the Roman Catholic Church. Because Roman Catholicism believes that their popes are in the direct line of apostolic succession from Peter on down. Absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. The apostles all died out. When John died, the last of the apostles, it was over. And when they died, when he died, no one took his place. When an apostle died, that's it. In fact, I remind you in the book of Acts when the apostle James, not the brother of our Lord, but the apostle James, the brother of Peter, when he was put to death by King Herod, you don't read of anybody being appointed to take his place. There's no one who takes his place. And no pope was ever an apostle, regardless of what Vatican says. No pope has ever seen the risen Lord nor does any pope do authenticating miracles. And for that matter, for that matter, no pope is even a true Christian, not in the way the Bible defines a true Christian, because a true Christian is one who is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You cannot accept Roman dogma, Roman doctrine, Roman Catholic doctrine, and really be a true Christian, because they deny salvation by grace through faith alone. That's the only way to be saved. But listen, it isn't only Roman Catholics who believe that apostles exist today. And by the way, they really do, because when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, he's speaking from the official desk of Christ. They would say it is infallible truth from God. They're saying he's an apostle. They may not use that word. That's what they're saying. 
But as I said, it isn't only Roman Catholics who believe that apostles exist today. There are some in the Protestant camp who hold to a belief in present-day apostles. Now, granted, not many, but there are some. In one of his sermons on Ephesians 4, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones explains about this by telling us the story of a man named Edward Irving and the Catholic Apostolic Church. Now, the Catholic Apostolic Church is not the Roman Catholic Church. They're saying Catholic in the sense of universal. That is what the word Catholic means. It was established in the year 1830 in the city of London. Concerning Edward Irving, here's what Lloyd-Jones said. Irving, he said, was a brilliant young Scottish preacher who had been assistant to Dr. Thomas Chalmers and who by many was thought to excel even Chalmers in his eloquence and oratory. He came to London and was the fashionable preacher there for a number of years. But suddenly, to everyone's consternation and amazement, he began to say that the whole church system was wrong, that he was an apostle, and that the apostleship was something that should be perpetuated in the church. So he set up what he called the Catholic Apostolic Church with apostles and prophets and other offices. Since then, there has been a church calling itself the Apostolic Church. It is all based on a misunderstanding of the New Testament teaching concerning the office of an apostle. I checked it out online It exists. You can look it up. But that's the background. And there are some other things, too. There are some splinter groups from it, too. Not only is it a fact that there cannot be any apostles today since no one today has seen Christ personally like the original 12 and Paul, but we know that apostles don't exist today because they have already fulfilled their function. They're not needed anymore. They've already fulfilled their function. Having served along with New Testament prophets, we're not talking about Old Testament now, New Testament era prophets, as the foundational teachers in the building of the church. We've looked at this in Ephesians, but I want you to see it again. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 19, Paul says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. He's talking to Gentile Christians. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens. Your family is saying, Your fellow citizens with the saints, you are of God's household. You are family along with Jewish believers, having been built, watch this, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. He means New Testament prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. See, once you have a foundation, you build on it. And the foundation then stands as something that is supportive, but not something you have to set again and again and lay again and again. Foundation, it's once. Therefore, the primary function of the apostles was to lay the foundation of the church by giving the church doctrinal revelation from God about Jesus. And they did it first in verbal form and then in written form. And we call that written form the New Testament, along with prophets, because not every New Testament writer was an apostle. Some were prophets. You have the New Testament. If you look at Ephesians chapter 3, notice what Paul says, starting in verse 2. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Now watch this. Paul's an apostle. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed, watch this, 
to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. Paul said, the mystery that I'm teaching you about Jews and Gentiles is one in the body of Christ. It was revealed to me, and not just to me, he says, but to all the apostles and prophets. Paul isn't claiming he's the only one who knew this. The others did too, but what I want you to see is that's how an apostle functioned. God revealed truth to them, and then he inspired them, guided them as they wrote it down. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This, by the way, this verse was in the very first sermon I gave as pastor here. It was an exposition of this verse. Acts 2, 42. They were, meaning the church, the Jerusalem church, the infant church, and yet the mother church. They were continually devoting themselves, watch this, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. But it was the apostles' teaching that they devoted themselves to because it was revelatory. It was inspired revelation from God. Now, all of this, folks, is very important for each of us to know because the question of who is an apostle, it's really a question of divine authority. Divine authority. Christ's apostles were given Christ's authority. Nobody else has that today. No pastor has that. Our authority is only the word of God. But these men spoke the word of God so that when they taught and wrote doctrine. They were talking and writing inspired doctrine. And their teaching came with the authority of Jesus Christ. Now you may have a red letter edition of your New Testament, but the black and white is no different than the red. The red is the words of Jesus, but everything an apostle wrote and spoke, that came from the Lord. It's all the same authority. If you look at Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. Now, I said in 2 Corinthians, Paul had to defend his apostleship. He really had to defend it in Galatians. They said that he was a fake. And these are people he loved. These are people he had led to the Lord, and it broke Paul's heart. But in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, he starts off this way. Paul, an apostle, and then notice he says, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He's an apostle from Jesus Christ. Then I want you to see if you jump down to verse 11. Paul has to defend his ministry by saying this, for I would have you to know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me, it's not according to man. I didn't invent this. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I didn't go to Bible school or seminary and learn this stuff. It was from Jesus that I learned this. Verse 13, for you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, try to destroy it. And I was advancing, this is his testimony, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Now watch this, verse 17. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and return once more to Damascus. What he's saying is, when I became a Christian, I didn't immediately head to Jerusalem and take a course from Peter or John or any of the apostles. I didn't do that. 
I went immediately into Arabia. No man taught me. God himself did this. Paul didn't receive his teaching from being instructed by men. He received it, he says, by revelation from God. Listen, don't believe it when someone tells you that they have some revelation from God. Don't believe that. Whether it comes from some charismatic preacher or from a book like Sarah Young's book, Jesus Calling, don't believe that. Don't believe that. The Lord is not giving any more revelation today. The apostles and prophets laid the foundation. It's done. The canon of scripture is closed. Now our job is to study the word of God and try to understand what the apostles meant by what they wrote. I love Jude verse 3 where he says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about the common salvation, Jude said, my intent was to write a letter about our salvation, the things that we hold dear to our faith. Maybe it was a letter that would have been like Romans. He said, I was making every effort to do that. I was thinking through these issues. He said, but I felt the necessity to write to you appealing, the Lord changed his mind, to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. The faith means Christianity, not personal, subjective faith, but doctrine. The faith, notice, he says, which was once and for all, meaning never to be repeated, once and for all, handed down to the saints. And folks, how was it handed down? Through the apostles. Through the apostles. So don't be naive. Don't be gullible. The Lord gave some as apostles as precious gifts to his church. They exist no more. They've been in glory for over 2,000 years. They exist no more on earth. However, their inspired writings exist as the New Testament, and as we'll see in our study of Ephesians 4 in the weeks to come, the apostles are Christ's gift to us to help us to grow so that we will help others to grow. See, you cannot and you will not be able to use your spiritual gift effectively if you're not growing, and that's why Jesus has graciously given all of us as the church, his apostles, to help us to grow. We grow by an understanding of the word of God. They gave us the word of God. Now, if you are not a Christian, then the apostles are witnesses to you, even today through their writings, of the glorious truth that Christ has risen from the dead. You know what? They saw him. They saw him, and they're calling you to believe in him. They saw him. They verified that he died, that he was buried, and then he rose again, he, their message was, is Lord. May he be your Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us apostles. Lord Jesus, thank you for these gifted men who have become gifts to us. Lord, as we look back, and we haven't even touched on this, but as we look back in the early days of your ministry, these men were a motley crew. These men were those who knew very little. They were ignorant, boastful, seemed to be arguing a lot about who was greatest in the kingdom. And yet you took this handful of mostly fishermen and you've made them into the apostles that we know. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for transforming their lives. Thank you for revealing your truth to them and then guiding them so that what they wrote down was God breathed out. 
And Lord, thank you for preserving your changeless word for us. We pray that you'll help us to not neglect the word of God, to not neglect the doctrine written years ago, but continuing to be the living word to us. We pray that you'll help us, each member of Lakeside and anyone attached to Lakeside, not to be naive, not to be gullible, to think that new revelation is happening today, whether it comes through one source or another. Help us to be those who are firmly fixed on the truth and the faith that was once and for all delivered to us. I pray for any here who may not know Christ, Lord, may you impress upon their spirits that he is risen and he calls them to come to him for salvation. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do you think Pastor Steve spent so much time teaching us about the apostleship of Paul? One thing that comes to mind is the fact that because Paul was an apostle, the teaching he laid out in his books came as a revelation from God. Thus, it is authoritative. Of course, as Pastor Steve mentioned, there are those today who claim to have revelation from God. I appreciate the warning Pastor Steve gave us regarding so-called new revelation. Now, we've had a lot to digest on today's verse-by-verse program, but it has been good. I hope you've been blessed, and I'd encourage you to tell someone about verse-by-verse. This program is aimed at carefully explaining the Scripture, and that is exactly what Pastor Steve Kreloff does each time he speaks. Please join us next time as we continue with our series, Unity and Spiritual Growth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.